SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Thanks, Greg. It's five minutes after six o'clock. Hilton Tarrant with you on the market update this evening. We'll get to the chaos in the markets in just a bit. First up, as always, Kugulet Mfupi has your business news. Thanks, Hilton. Good evening. Well, the World Bank says increased investment, high commodity prices, and a pickup in the global economy should help accelerate sub-Saharan Africa's growth to more than 5% on average between 2013 and the year 2015. Times Media Group has reached an agreement with Pearson Overseas Holdings to acquire Pearson's 50% shareholding in BDFM Publishers. The deal was struck through its subsidiary, Avusa Publishing, which following the implementation of the deal will be BDFM's sole shareholder. And some good news for motorists, because the Department of Minerals and Energy could implement a retail petrol price cut of about 71 cents per litre on the 1st of May. The change in the daily petrol price in January was largely due to the weakening rand, which moved from 8 rand per US dollar at the beginning of January to more than 9 rand by the end of that month, whilst the increase in April was due to a fall in international product prices. Turning to the markets now, while the JCO share index has closed down in negative territory, down by 1.6% for 38,003 points. The rand at 9.13 to the US dollar, 13.94 to the pound and 11.94 against the euro. Gold price plummeting, uh, trading at $1,374 an ounce. A barrel of Brent crude oil dipping down to $100 exactly and the platinum price at $1,426 an ounce. Thanks, Kugu. Seven minutes after six o'clock. David, uh, aside, uh, the, the move on the all share down 1.6%, I think is uh, masks what really happened on the market today. Resources and gold, just absolutely brutal. Yeah, and it's, they're two different sources of it. You know, first of all, the disappointing Chinese growth number, which came out at 7.7. That's not really disappointing, but it's below where analysts were forecasting. I think that just raised worries about the outlook for world growth, and that would have played more on oil, uh, copper, and other minerals. But gold is, I think, a different story. You know, gold is much more related to worries about central bank selling, and also um, fears have lifted about inflation. I think, if anything, one's worried about deflation in the world economy. Um, rather than inflation. So without that a threat, there's no reason to really hold gold. And once um, investors like Soros um, and started to uh, unload gold, it almost triggered, it started to build its own momentum. And I mean, we've seen massive sell-offs in the, um, in the futures market and also in the ETF markets, you know, huge amounts of gold just being dumped. And, of course, the threat of further central bank selling. You know, the, the, the big threat was Cyprus, but the, the worry that other banks um, you know, could join them, Italy, I think, and Portugal, um, also just ex- exacerbated. So people just locking in profits and running out of gold. I have never seen, in nominal terms, Gold fall is this much in percentage terms. I think we saw it in 06, 08, and there have been various times uh, in gold's history that we've seen big falls, but in normal terms, this is huge. Let's just go through what we're tracking uh, on the market update. You mentioned ETFs there. New gold, uh, it normally trades I was 70. Told to say ETF exchange traded fund, yeah. in other words, paper gold. Mm. It's, uh, you buy a certificate which, which uh, is, is backed by gold. It's uh, New Gold, the South Africa's second largest uh, exchange traded fund. Normal value on an average day, trade 70 million rands worth of uh, New Gold mm-hmm. ETF. Today, 670 million rand. 705 deals there, David, which suggests that this is not your average retail investor that's. <laughs> I mean, people piling out. You know, mm-hmm. people, uh, I think obviously investors who had hedged themselves 
for gold. Gold had been bought as a as a precaution against the world collapsing, you know, against the collapse of European banks, against America's uh, inflation in America because of the heavy printing of 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 money, the heavy you know the stimulus measures. So um, it was a quasi or acting. I wouldn't even say a quasi. It was acting like a currency. Mm. But, uh, you know, currencies can fall as well. Well, as you say, the biggest drop uh, in nominal terms, over $100, $115 earlier today, uh, the price of gold bullion uh, falling. It's down around about 13% and counting over two days. Uh, that's its sixth worst two-day run on record. It's down over $200 since Friday morning. And the value of the world's gold, uh, by some calculations, has fallen by more than $1 trillion since Friday morning. Uh, that's all the ground that uh, all the gold rather that has been mined and as in is in vaults uh, around the world. This is what the banks have to say. Credit Suisse sees gold consolidation. City says the commodity supercycle is dead. Nomura asks where's the low in gold. Citigroup has cut its bullion forecast. No surprises there. Deutsche Bank has lowered its commodity forecast. BMO has lowered gold, silver, base metal price forecasts. And JP Morgan uh, says commodities risk is steady. On the quarter, let's bring in Peter Major, our mining consultant at Katie's Corporate Solutions. Peter, down two hundred dollars in in two trading days. Have you ever seen this before? Hey, nobody's seen this before. <laughs> I think I think we were all worried about this, but uh, no, we hadn't seen it before. You got to look at percentage terms. You can't look at absolute uh, dollar price because it's fallen from a lot higher level, and we've had inflation over the last twenty, thirty years since when gold went mad back in the late seventies, but. This is what happened. happens when a higher and more into the stratosphere something goes, the faster it falls as it's headed back to its average. What is that average, Peter? Gold at 1500 1600 at one point it was threatening to touch as high as $2,000 an ounce. As you say, a lot of inflation built into here. Where could this go? I think it can go back below 1000 If If it's long-term average for a 1,000 years has been $600, why can't it go back there now? Why, why is things so different now than in any time in the last 2,000 years? And look, it made sense. From 2001 till 2008, the dollar was on a constant weakening trend. The dollar weakened from 85 cents to the euro to 155. So gold lost, sorry, gold gained as the dollar lost. And then from 08 until now, Gold stayed up even though the dollar started strengthening, but I think that was because interest rates were being cut down to zero. But now the dollar can't weak anymore, interest rates can't be cut anymore, and so people say, time not to hold gold. Looking at our gold stocks on the JSE, we saw Sibanya down 10% uh, today, Harmony down almost 9%, Pan-African Resources down 7%, Anglo Gold Ashanti down 7%, DRD Gold down 7%, Gold One was down 6.6%, uh, Goldfields down 5%. That route of, of gold stocks, uh, could that continue depending on what happens uh, overseas tonight? I don't think it's going to go lower than that because gold price seems to have bounced up. I saw it down at, I'm pretty sure I saw it down at about 1340, mm. and now I see it's at 1380. So there's a $40 bounce up. I, I'll be very surprised if the shares are this low tomorrow. I think they'll be up a few percent tomorrow. These were really big hits. But if gold turns around and goes back down, these shares are going to keep going with it. 
Peter, what about the RAND price of gold? Obviously, some relief in, in the RAND dollar exchange rate, uh, over 2% weaker. That's gone to 914 against the dollar. The, the RAND price of gold, just over 400,000 uh, RAND a kilogram at 405 at the moment, down 8% on the day. Do these guys make money at that price? A lot of their individual operations do. And the RAND has always saved us, and it'll save us again, but it won't save everybody, you know. There were a few lifeboats on the Titanic, so some people were saved, and that's how it's going to work on our gold mines. And we don't know how much efficiency that they've lost in the last few years, because as gold was really running to strong prices, all the mines got slack, and they were mining very low grade. They were mining a lot of surface dumps. And that makes sense. You know, you should mine your lower grade when the price is way up. So when the price comes down, they will have to phase out any kind of low-grade, inefficient mining operations. And it's almost too hard to predict. You'll only really know a year or two after it happens which mines could do that the best. Peter, just to close off with, not only gold, we saw other commodities pull back. And uh, one of those which obviously we would probably be most concerned about is South Africa, platinum. The price of platinum down 4% today, $1,428 an ounce. What does that do to, to a platinum sector that's already under pressure? Boy, it's just going to drill it even more because platinum and gold are so similar now. They, they've had these outrageous wage demands for 10 solid years, no productivity increases for 10 solid years, and they've had other huge increases in prices, all supplies, all services, all electricity, diesel. So platinum is every bit as much pressure as gold, if not more. Peter Major is mining consultant at KD's Corporate Solutions. David, you've got to... You've got to wonder how, uh, how these mines are going to be managing through this. It's, it's not only that. I think what, what concerns me is as they manage their way through it, of course, we, I, I hope we don't get a, a repeat of Marikana, but you, as mines try and uh, become profitable, of course, they're going to have to lay off people. Or as mines show lower profits, it has an enormous impact through the economy. Um, a lot of our manufacturing is tied to to mining. Mm. You know, admittedly, I think that gold and platinum mines are only probably half of our exports of um, you know uh, of minerals, uh, but they're still significant. You know, mining is still a significant uh, income earner or foreign exchange earner. So I'm concerned about the the downstream. Um, problems that these may cause our economy at a time when we're already battling. You know, the economic growth is forecasted about 2.5%. I'm not sure what this does to it, but it's certainly not going to lift it. Hmm. And so, if anything, the the risks are um, on on, on the downside. But it needs, you know, I don't want to say it needs government action. It needs everybody's action to try and save these mines uh, from exactly as Peter said, you know, having neglect over the last 10 years in terms of cost. We've got to try and reestablish um, where we were, um, you know, decades ago, and, and, and try and mine profitably and try and get the country on its feet again. Elsewhere on the market, not much to speak of. I count five stocks in the top 40 that weren't down. And they were all dual-listed. <laughs> it, was, it was only because of the weaker end, you know, British American Tobacco, SAB Miller, oh, I think Grishman, yeah. Mm. That uh, given a bit of a lift by a weaker end, which I think is last I looked at from you know below from 8.95 odd over the weekend to about 9.14 mm-hmm. against the dollar at the moment. SAFM market update with MoneyWeb.
Well, we are taking your questions on our SMS line 34701 with the keyword market. That's 34701 with the keyword market at a cost of two rand per SMS. We'll get to one or two of those SMSs before half past six this evening. And you are welcome to, to send through any questions, investment or share related questions you do have uh, for David Shapiro. It's 17 and a half minutes after six o'clock. Africa's largest wine and spirits producer, Distel, is best known for its Niederberg and Drostehof wines and its portfolio of brands, including Clipdrift, Richelieu, Three Ships and Amarula. There has been a gaping hole in its portfolio, though, Scotch. That is until now. It sealed a deal worth 2.2 billion rand to buy Burn Stewart Distillers, maker of three well-known whiskies, Scottish leader, Black Bottle and Boonhaven. We welcome uh, Jan Scannell, Managing Director of Distill, to the program. Jan, why Scotch? Scotch is, as you've correctly said, the one hole we've had in our portfolio. And globally, Scotch whisky is showing very substantial growth and acceptance as the market's premium ice. So, for us, it was a natural acquisition um, to bring a group of Scotch whisky brands into the portfolio, which we can use for our global expansion program. Jan, no doubt a uh, few world-class assets available in, in the space? Extremely scarce. Uh, we're looking for assets that, that's got a real history. That's not a created brand that's being underpinned by production assets and distilleries. And they have mostly already been bought up by the global players, so uh, they are very scarce. Probably a handful uh, left in the world. A, a 2.2 billion rand deal. How, how are you funding this transaction? Um, from internal resources um, through debt financing based on the strength of our balance sheet. You have been working, though, with Burn Stewart for a good few years. You know them well. Yes. No, the relationship goes back to 1999 when we became the distributor for Scottish leader in Southern Africa. And during the 2000s, we expanded that into a limited partnership for Africa south of the equator. So we know each other well. Just in terms of Burn Stewart's uh, global presence, obviously present uh, in the UK, but also strong in Taiwan, a listener at home might be scratching their head saying, what on earth is a whiskey maker doing in Taiwan? Actually, Taiwan is the world's fourth largest Scotch whiskey market. So it's a very substantial market. And through historical presence, through own structures, been still to been, uh, position themselves very well in the market and is actually market leader in the, in the specific category. So it's a strong position for Scottish leader as a brand. Jan Scannell is Managing Director of Distel. David Distel, I think, is one of few shares up today. Mm, we all drink to that, though. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's a long way from Cape Town to... Uh, to Scotland, I mean, especially where they distill. I mean, right up north there, pretty cold there, different climate. But it's, uh, look, uh, if you've watched Diageo, you know, Diageo have got uh, Johnny Walker, and uh, I don't think there's enough water in Scotland <laughs> to, to, want to, you know, once a Chinese start drinking whiskey, there's not <laughs> enough water in Scotland to actually supply them. So, um, you know, I think it's a, it's a pretty smart move. Just looking at some of the, the global whiskey markets, as mm-hmm. Jan says, obviously Taiwan, the fourth fastest growing mm-hmm. market in the world. There's, there's India, India, very, very big market. Scotch, I didn't know that. Scotch, sure. Africa, mm-hmm. uh, there was a feature, I think, in the Sunday Times. Yeah, well, Scotch and Coke. Go down well. <laughs> SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. 
Well, investment holding company, the PSG Group, which owns stakes in financial services company PSG, as well as Capitec Bank, Private Education Group, Curo, and Agribusiness, Zida, amongst others, out with results for the year to the 28th of February today. Its sum of the parts value is up 30% to 72.67 a share. Recurring headline earnings, 27% higher. A dividend of 111 cents a share. That's a 35% increase. Pit Moton, Chief Executive of PSG Group, joins us now. Pit, uh, Capitec, 40% of your value on a sum of the parts basis. Half of your recurring headline earnings remains the engine of the group. Yes, hi, good evening, Hilton. Uh, Capitec is very important in our life, and I think for the next couple of years it will remain. So it's a phenomenal business with great management, and uh, they, they run a great business. So we're very happy that we've got a business like that in our stable. You provide some insight into the scale of, of the PSG Group in today's announcement. 36 investments, a market cap of 80 billion rand, uh, and uh, an employer of 40,000 people. You do announce today that the board has approved uh, something called Project Internal Focus, and no doubt that will occupy yourself for the uh, year ahead. Take us through the strategy there. I think um, this is something that's uh, crept up a little bit on us, and um, over the years, I mean, we meet quite often and we talk a little bit about strategy and what we've realized is the companies where we, which have performed the best in, in PSG is where we had a lot bigger say and stake and we worked closer with management to build the businesses out. I mean, if you take Capitec way back when it started, it was part of PSG uh, um, at PSG Consult, we've built a highly successful business. And Kiro is actually the latest example um, of the strategy working where since we made the investment, uh, we've spent significant time with management to come up with a strategy and actually uh, implementing it. So you've seen it happening in other parts of the group. Um, Zeder taking more active and larger stakes in business, buying out agricole. Uh, buying 90% of um, Chayton. So uh, we are going for a, a more active approach and not looking outward so much. So if you take the 36 companies that we've got, uh, instead of adding just and diversifying our own portfolio by adding more and more investments to it, I think what we're setting out to do is to make sure that each of these companies in the portfolios become as good as they possibly can be in whatever way it is to make sure their strategy is right or find them suitable acquisition and merger opportunities because at the end of the day, uh, we actually want to work that number of companies down and make sure we've got fewer, larger, better-performing investments. Pitt, you, you, you speak about the track record there, Capitec, obviously the PSG consult business, Cura, the latest manifestation of, uh, of this uh, formula. Are you confident you can repeat the formula and apply it to other businesses and be successful? I, I think maybe if, if one steps back a little bit, um, Capitec, I, I think, is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and uh, one should always put that in perspective. People are, uh, often ask me, when do you start the next Capitec? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that's phenomenal. I, I mean, 
to be number one over on that Sunday times over five and ten years just shows uh, the caliber of business it is. And I don't think the South African economy has seen something like that. I think Kira will go a long way if if um, the plans all go um, accordingly. But uh, a lot of water um, still has to run on that one. Um, so... We still we're working very hard to make sure that each company performs the best to its own ability. But to uh, to out achieve as uh, hopefully Kira will do in the Capitec is that a lot needs to go for you as well during the investment cycle. But just to close off with uh, obviously we chatted to Willem Tron, uh, the chief executive, outgoing chief executive of PSG Consult, which is busy rebranding to just PSG. Uh, obviously, he's he's very satisfied with the coup of uh, of having Francois Gauss uh, replace him in that role. Francois Gauss, obviously uh, a previous co-head of Global Equities at uh, UBS. Is it conceivable that uh, the PSG consult business, or at least a portion of it, could be listed separately? Uh, I, I think uh, most definitely. You've you, you got to remember that um, Gianni really likes uh, a, a listing because he always says, um, you know, people run faster times in front of the stadiums in the light than what they run at the back of the stadium in the dark. So... Once the business is right, I'm, I'm pretty sure in, in years to come we will see a listing. And we have to agree with Willem. I think it was a great coup to get a guy like Francois Gauss involved in the business. Pit Morton is the chief executive of the PSG Group. David, how's that? Uh, people run faster times <laughs> in, in front I, of I, the stadium. Say it in Afrikaans, it might sound better. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure there's an idiom there somewhere, but I mean, uh, the point holds. Uh, obviously, obviously <laughs> attention on a business uh, like PSG uh, Consult if it's listed. Uh, and you can see, based on the, the moves that they made last week, uh, that uh, they've been making, adding the short-term look, insurance. Look, it's a, it's a fairly, me- you know, it's a, it's a fairly sizable business. Um, my only concern is in the current climate. Uh, I think people are very sensitive to markets. It's uh, it, it, you know we still haven't. It's not the kind of market that I think will um, really embrace new listings at this stage. Maybe maybe one listed at a time where things start to pick up there. But it's not for me to say. You know that's for them. I'm, I think with Yanni's following and uh, down there, he's still, there's there's a lot of people who would love to support the company, particularly even within. And a couple of listings mm. still uh, on the sidelines, waiting mm. for market conditions to improve. Obviously, yeah. EdCon is the big mm. one. Mm. Uh, Home Choice mm. is, is set to make a return. They were supposed to make a return last year. I think there will be a lot of retailers. But, it's, it's, look, it's tough. You know, it's, uh, conditions are tough at the moment. People are sensitive. 2.5% growth here, economic growth. Um, I, from my point of view, we don't see huge amounts of fresh money come into the market. There's still a lot of money around that needs to be manage that but uh, it's, it's, it's not the kind of market that's you know that's running away it's not a it's not the those vibrant bull markets mm. that we've that we knew in the late 90s in the late you know late 80s and that
A couple of other bits and pieces uh, regarding the first of those regarding Anglo Gold Ashanti. MoneyWeb has managed to confirm that the company had submitted a proposal to government to split the group in two. Government is reportedly not happy with what's happened post the goldfields unbundling. And then another one, David. Uh, on the market today, we saw three separate SENS announcements uh, from First Rand RMB Holdings as well as Rand Merchant Insurance. Uh, Paul Harris is uh, is a seller. He's sold almost 100 million rand of shares. And uh, a note under each of the uh, announcements, this transaction forms part of a diversification plan of Mr. Harris's investment portfolio. I suppose he's, you know, Paul's got a huge holding in, in First Rand. And, and uh, I've got no, he's no longer involved and I think he's entitled to diversify. Um, if I was in his position, I think I'd, I'd start to build up a global portfolio. And uh, yeah, But for Paul, what's it? 100 million is probably small change. Petty cash. <laughs> Petty cash. <laughs> David, uh, <laughs> just looking ahead to tomorrow, are you calling in sick? Ah, uh, yeah. How awful day today. I hate these kind of days. Because you, you've got no control. You know, these days control you. They just, they go all over the place. And uh, particularly when, you know, these, these are markets when people start to sell. There's nothing you can do to stop it. Um, and it's, it's very difficult to make decisions in these kind of markets. You know, you don't know whether to, whether to take advantage of some of the lower prices. I prefer.